0: Figure a way to live without serving a master. Any master. And let the rest of us know, will you? to the very first episode of the Two Guys in a Movie podcast, and I'm sure as you guessed it, this podcast is about two guys talking about some movies. So, I am one of the two guys, Joshua Williams, and I am joined with me by my good friend, Danilo Castro, and I'm the second of the two guys, and we're here to talk about some films. So, I'm going to give a little alley to Danilo here. He's going to explain kind of what the show is going to be and what the show is all about. So, go ahead. So, what we're going to be doing today and what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future is we're going to pick a filmmaker, maybe even actors as we get further actors. down the line, and basically just break down their career from front to back. We're going to deep dive all the little things they do in between, all the major things, and just kind of give a whole nice overview on what they got and why they're great. Why they are great. And we'll have some directors, there's not bias. Obviously, there will be some fantastic directors that we love, but we'll also be doing some people we don't really like, and some mixture of people who don't have as many movies, but maybe do a lot of screenplays. Oh, yeah. Review view a lot of that. Yeah. Who knows? An Aaron Sorkin episode. Maybe. Aaron Sorkin, Alex Garland, any of that jazz. Oh, yeah. Alex Garland's popular right now. Anyway, this first episode. Yes. The big number one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um... We will be discussing a director who has seen a lot of critical praise over the course of his career, his 21-year career. It's as old as me. How about that? It's insane. Wow. So a man who has kind of always been an emotional filmmaker. His films have always seen to have proven to be more important on the emotional front and the acting and character and dialogue front versus everything else. And this is the Paul Thomas Anderson Whether you call him by PTA, P.T. Anderson, whatever your nickname for him is, he is a fantastic filmmaker. You cannot deny it. His first feature film is Hard Eight in 1996, starring John C. Riley, Philip Baker Hall, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And his most recent feature film is Phantom Thread in 2017, starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Vicky Kripes, and Leslie Manville. So... Paul Thomas Anderson. Not a lot of movies, but... Not a lot of movies. A lot of great movies. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of fantastic movies. His batting average is incredibly high. It's ridiculous. I don't Uh, think, just to start out, the... The um, beats for the for the podcast will usually be we're just going to dive right in to talking about some films. There may be a little bit chit chat before about the filmmaker, a little bit of back and forth, but usually we're just going to dive right in, and then at the end we'll answer some questions that people have left us on Twitter. So, um, but yeah, doesn't have a bad film. No, I don't think. No, I don't think so either. He, I would go as far. We talked about this. He doesn't even have a film that's just good. No. Every yeah. film is great or better. Yes, I and, would say. And a lot of his peers have that movie that maybe just is good. Yeah, the people something. that came around the times is him. Like yeah, David Fincher, Quentin Tarantino, they all have movies that are just okay. Yeah, but his consistency is incredible. Mess. He can't. He can't. He hasn't at all. Um, I guess this is a little bit of a heads up. As if you can't tell already, we're going to be largely praising. Paul Thomas Anderson. There's not going to be too much <laughs> oh, criticism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not going to be too much criticism. Um, but we will try to be uh, as objective as possible in yes. saying which ones we think are the best, which ones mm-hmm. we think maybe have some flaws. Like, A little bit of flaws. You know, something like that. Um, and we'll try to, I know this is going to be difficult for me, I don't know about you, put them in sort of an order of which we prefer. Yeah. Uh, um woke up this morning ready (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna just do it on the spot i think i I know what my favorite is i know my favorite that's about it (laughs) um yeah so let's just get started so before like we said we're gonna do the entire every landmark in their career that includes shorts that includes we're gonna touch on if they do music videos things like that um so, before his first film in 1996, his career does start a little bit earlier. And in 1998, he has a short film called The Dirk Diggler Story. That's right. Which is what eventually comes to be Boogie Nights. Yeah. Yes. It's sort of that sort of in, in Boogie Nights when they have that scene where uh, Julianne Moore makes a documentary about mm-hmm. Dirk Diggler. It's basically just that as a short film. Yeah. More or less. I enjoy it. I enjoy it, too. I enjoyed it. It's obviously not on the caliber of boogie nights a eh? yeah or yeah his features but it's definitely interesting to see where he where his mind was like at the beginning you know yeah. right off the bat it's interesting to see him as like what he wanted to do right off the bat that is interesting and then like the idea of like obviously it's on video it's rough yeah. looking mm-hmm. uh the idea of making it like a documentary kind of fits that yeah. aesthetic so that's kind of a clever fix for someone who's kind of coming in new I agree. um uh, and it's weird to see like a lot of like Dirk Diggler. That name's already established. Yeah. Like Jack Horner, the part that Burt Reynolds eventually plays Reed is there. Charles yeah. In that, yes. A lot of the things that are already kind of in there. So it's funny to see it uh, progress. You know, almost a decade later. Yeah. When he makes the, the film version, but I enjoyed it. There was I enjoyed a, it too. There was a couple funny things. Like at one point, like they have like a prayer mm-hmm. before like one of the shoots, mm-hmm. and he says, "Please, Lord, keep us." from The Great Crime of Premature Ejaculation. And that that was (laughs) fun. Yeah, that's a (laughs) good one. Uh, The guy who plays the Burt Reynolds part is the guy who plays the colonel in Boogie Nights, the old dude. Oh, snap. Yeah, I had to look that up. That's cool. And so that was interesting. Um, That's cool. But it was good. It's good. It's 32 minutes, so it's longer than the typical short from people we see, like Damien Chazelle, Whiplash. The Whiplash short is only like nine minutes. Okay. So, things. he had started off already with longer than yeah. normal yeah. projects. And then, not immediately after, a few years later, in 1993, he does a short <laughs> film called Cigarettes and Coffee. I always want to call it Coffee and Cigarettes. I, do I don't too. know. Yeah, I think, I don't know. He probably did it on purpose. <laughs> um, but it uh, stars Kurt Boltz and Philip Baker Hall, which, I, it might be fair to say, this becomes heartache. Absolutely. This yeah. is what very much how, leads into heartache. Very much how Dirk Diggler becomes Boogie Nights. So... Um, and that's, this is a, I think this is a big improvement. I agree. It's well this written. This is massive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's shot well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's starting to like get his footing. Yeah. what he wants to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the character that Philip Baker Hall plays, like his name isn't Sydney, like it isn't Heartache, mm-hmm. but he's like that same kind of character. So it's yeah. kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, I like it. It was very like with the whole thing about like hiring the guy to murder, mm-hmm. like commit a murder and stuff like that. It was very like Tarantino-ish. Yeah. A little bit. Is. And it's weird because it's before Reservoir, or it's after Reservoir Dogs, but before Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So it's weird to see Anderson like he could have gone that Tarantino route yeah. if he wanted to, but he just quickly decides <laughs> not to. But he does not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess so. With Hard Eight, he got it screened at Sundance. He did, and then uh, he was invited to basically develop a feature film on the idea that okay. was the short film. Okay, and so that's what kind of led to him getting the budget and everything for Hard Eight which is what three years later three years later so in 1996 the first his initial his debut feature film Hard Eight releases written and directed by him stars again Philip Baker Hall who he comes to work with often yeah John C. Riley and Gwyneth Paltrow Gwyneth Paltrow might be the only one off PTA actor (laughs) <laughs> one movie one and done her and samuel jackson her and sam jackson yeah yeah they didn't come back so they're good in this though they are very defendants. good so it's about the guy john john c right yeah, yeah. is down on his luck he's having a bad life or a recent life i guess you would say and he meets philip baker hall who is sydney and he teaches john how to gamble more or less more or and less. then it spirals up into yeah. this whole another thing yeah into that's, that's really I, some murder and yeah. some some deceit and some betrayal, and then he meets Clementine, yeah. or Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. That's, so that's a recurring thing. Like um, a synopsis for these movies will mm-hmm. be: it starts off with the one thing, <laughs> yeah. right, and then it becomes and this the thing that we takes the journey. <laughs> yeah, no, it becomes this thing we can't really define. No, clearly, but yes, that is definitely like the hook of Heartache. Yeah, um, it's. It's obvious, I think it's very good. He, it's very good. He clearly doesn't um, – he's not in that crisp visual style yet. He's still a little like – he's got the noise and the video yeah. kind of look that's in yeah. cigarettes and coffee. Um, but it is very – you can see right off the bat that he – his focus as a director is mainly what we talked about well, off air the other day is his focus as a director is being a good writer. Absolutely. And so all of the conversation and the dialogue is very strong and the interactions between people and how the main focus is meant to be how the people interact with one another. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I recently watched an interview with him and he's, he always specifies like writer, director, writer first. Yeah. So definitely he's like, that's, that's what gets him going is, is the writing, the, the dialogue. Writing. Um, debut film the performances are great really good yeah and we've talked about like (laughs) right off the bat very prominent actors for like a nobody yeah I mean Sam Jackson just um, let's see what Sam Jackson made in 96 he had already done Jurassic Park there you go um let's see so Sam Jackson by the time Sam Jackson has already done um Moe Blues okay Goodfellas okay Jungle Fever so he's uh, established. Uh, he's he he's a got Pulp Fiction, Menace to Society, Jurassic Park. He's already in True Romance and Pulp Fiction. And Pulp Fiction, he's already in. And Gwyneth Paltrow was already in Seven. Yep. These he's, are established people. He's <laughs> already in Long Kiss Goodnight. Okay. He's already. That's next year. Never mind. So he's established. So he was. He was. Philip, I wonder if he was the draw. And Phil, I mean, Philip Baker Hall is yeah, um, is vet- no amateur by absolutely. any means. Going in, veteran actor. I guess he was the basis. I guess yeah. yeah. Anderson was like a like an assistant on like a PBS production or something, and mm-hmm. Philip Baker Hall was acting in that, and so they kind of met, and um, so he was kind of the inspiration for mm-hmm. the, what this became. And John C. Yeah. Riley, not so much. He's in Dolores Claiborne, The River Wild, he's in and... Days of Thunder. <laughs> What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Uh, so. it's a a really good cast but still it's very impressive yes yes for a debut film it's very impressive yes who he managed to reign in um and we can't forget with one scene Philip Seymour Hoffman yes when he's just harassing (laughs) him at the at the bull come on old timer (laughs) come on old timer he has like that terrible (laughs) wallet. oh yeah he does that's great it's and so it starts the relationship with Philip Seymour Hoffman it's fantastic it does um you know he starts his and then he starts his relationship with Philip Baker Hall and John C. Riley. Yeah, and you just get to witness something that you don't see with a lot of debut films. I think. Yeah, and also behind the scenes, mm-hmm. uh, John Bryan. John Bryan is there. does the music yep. mm-hmm. and Robert Elswit Already shoots it. it. Yeah, so, so. The, this is very like this is a first movie in many yeah. ways because it's a yeah. first in terms of these long-lasting. Um, you know, collaborations that, yeah. that we'll be talking about over the next so, couple minutes. it's, I mean, it's, I think it's a great film. It does a lot of things differently than debut directors do. He doesn't oversaturate a lot of scenes. No. He doesn't overstay his welcome. I think that just in general, the pacing is very good. It is. And it's it not, it's not too flashy. And it doesn't, yeah, it's not, he doesn't show off in any way. No. And he just kind of, he doesn't necessarily, I wouldn't say he comes out swinging. No, he doesn't. But it's very just like this is a very kind of I feel like this is like a, a folder pass like across yeah. the table like yeah. this is who I am. This is what I want to do. Let's let's make some more films. And it's one of the few where I can just say it's just like a straight up genre movie. Like it's a film noir. Like yeah, straight, straight out the through. Game. No other like big plans really. Yeah, there's nothing, and there's not, and it's one of his only films I would probably say that doesn't have like a hidden surface. Not really, right? yeah. Like, Boogie Nights kind of has some of that, and yeah. then Magnolia has some of that, and especially the later films. Yeah, especially. But, yeah. um, but he kind of just, like, there's not so much going on with everybody. Everybody's just kind no. of interacting, and there's not, like, a whole lot of side stuff yeah. besides the main couple stories. Not that they're shallow no, not characters, all, but yeah. yeah, it's definitely not the onion that no, yeah. later people become. Exactly. um It's 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 nice, you know. I I feel like if you see Hard Eight and only see Hard Eight, you really do not have a good grasp on who he is as a filmmaker. No, not as good a movie as it is, and a lot of the collaborators obviously stay on. But this is kind of a misleading debut. If you start, if you come into the film world and you start with watching There Will Be Blood. Or the master, yeah. or Punch Stroke Love, and then you decide to retract into Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson's career, and you're like, "Oh, with Heart Eight, it's a vastly different film." Yeah. than anything he does, because you would have, you would, I mean, I think watching this, it's kind of like, "Oh, he's like." Kind of a hip, like oh, he makes crime movies and like they're well written. But there's nothing quickly gets like kicked to the side. Yeah, yeah. He never really comes back to I mean inherent bias, we we talk about there's like more elements, Mm -hmm. but it's so much more. (laughs) (laughs) So Hardy's the only like true blue, like I'm not gonna try to expand too far. Yeah. But I would go as far as to say with the peers that he starts off with. So for me that's like David Fincher. Quentin Tarantino, sure. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um Aronofsky, Aronofsky Robert time. Rodriguez, all these people, I would say he has the best debut of probably, any of them. He probably does any of them. He probably does. Yeah. Anybody that starts like in his realm, I think he does it very well. Yeah. Cuz it's not like, oh, this is a good movie for a debut, like it's just a good movie on its own. Yeah. Which some of the other ones like I know like yeah. Nolan's first movie following is good for a debut. Like yeah, I feel it's like, just like all right. Yeah, there's still some screw, some growing to be done. And then like Reservoir Dogs is obviously like a, a really good movie. Yes. And then Alien Three we don't really talk about, but <laughs> and so it's just kind of and then Pie is fantastic. It is. So, so yeah, it's, it's tough. You're right. It's tough. But I think it's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Out of ten, I'd probably give it like an eight or nine. It's it's high up there. It's really good. Um what is what is your PTA scene? We're gonna be doing this also as we as we go through each movie because he's so good at writing them. What is we're gonna be just like saying which PTA scenes we like I, the most out of them? I don't. It's been a little bit since I've seen it, but I remember it's the scene when um I think I think John C. Riley's is about to get killed, and Philip Baker Hall just like busts in the door and just fucking guns down the dude. Oh, Riley's not there. Are you talking about with with Sam I don't Jackson? Know, I maybe okay at the end he like it's like uh, yeah it's toward the end and phil baker hall just busts in and like guns down yes because sam jackson's like with some chick and then he just like he just pops him oh that that scene gets me that is a good scene he just he just guns him down yeah that's it that's my scene that is a good scene i like the one where like riley calls baker hall Mm -hmm. um and like he comes in and and. They have that one dude tied up, like him and Gwyneth Paltrow tied up, and John C. Riley starts freaking out, yeah, (laughs) because it's a great freak out, and freaking out becomes a a hallmark of PTM movies. (laughs) That's a good scene. So John C. Riley gets he gets the freak out out of the way. Uh, Apparently, Paul Thomas Anderson wanted the movie to be called Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So when he talks about it, he calls it Sydney. That's cool. Um, so just you know, in case you ever meet Paul Thomas Anderson. So you can, Sydney. You can impress him by calling it Sydney and not Hard Eight. And, yeah. You know. Um but yeah, great debut, I'd give it probably an eight out of ten. Yeah. I feel comfortable with that. I think um given what that. we have ahead of us i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a seven okay i'm gonna be i'm gonna be leaning there's just a lot of i'm gonna try to underpraise no, because yeah. I'm, i feel like i might overpraise later on oh yeah. there's easily some overpraise that comes immediately after <laughs> so a literal year later he comes back and i and this i would say he comes out this is the his film where he comes out swinging i think and it's in 1997 with Boogie Nights. And so Boogie Nights stars Mark Wahlberg. And talk about who he gets for his first film. Let's talk about who he gets for his second film. Mark Wahlberg, Burt Reynolds, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley again, Heather Graham, Don Cheadle, William H. Macy, Nina Hartley, and Luis Guzman. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah. Scotty J. Scotty J. <laughs> And there's probably a million others. Let's see who else is in there's this. There's a lot of people. <sighs> there's so many people in it. And we talked about this. We're, we, we'll Phil prob- Baker Hall again. again yeah, you're it's, right. There's Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane, yeah. <laughs> and um, Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. <laughs> it's insane. The amount of people that are in this. It series. is. On my notes here, I have... Uh, the first thing I have for this is his first masterpiece. Now, I think this mm, is... Okay. I think... He hits it out of the park on this second one. Okay. Um I think this is up there with you know, I'm not I'm gonna reserve saying where I think this fits yeah. until further on, but yeah. I think this movie is impeccably made. I agree. It's really flashy. It's probably his flashiest. Easily. But for me it's also his most rewatchable. It's the easiest to rewatch. Yes. While it is very depressing <laughs> and it is. upsetting later on in the film, like most of his films from now on. Are, yeah. It's still very. It's easy to rewatch the funness of it, the quick cuts, yeah, and just the overall vibe that it like roars with the seventies. Yeah, it's like this is so easy. Just to watch. The, That first shot, just and how it comes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so great with the disco song. Yeah, and then the tracking shot. And we get the club. one take through the club. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so flashy and like, it's. But it's so good at the same time. Like he's just he knows he's good, and he's just like showing it yeah. off. And it's a huge. Huge leap from Hardy. From Hardy. Immediately a better visual style. Immediately. Even though it's still like... It's a year later. Yeah. It's immediately better. He's got insane tracking shots. He's got the crazy cuts. He's got some weird compositions. Yeah. That you wouldn't normally see from a, a sophomore director at this point. Absolutely. He's just... He's like fuck it i'm gonna come out swinging it's and an he insanity. does yeah There's so many the, the scene where it goes under the pool The and not party even scene. not even the visual the one takes everything through the parties like you just mentioned yeah. through the pool it's about porn yeah oh you're right we didn't even talk about the subject matter <laughs> it's about the roaring porn industry in the 70s and 80s you're right what the fuck so ballsy. how do you sell that yeah right I, I mean, Maybe. you can't make like like you said, right? You start off with Hard and you're like, "This guy is cool." Yeah, Maybe crime he just movie. does crime noir thrillers, right? Yeah, but then his next movie, hey P- hey Paul, what do you want to make? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> hey, let Paul. me tell you, yeah, <laughs> hey Paul, I want to do porn, <laughs> and it's just, and it's not done, uh, like uh it's not taken lightly it's not made fun of no it's it's totally serious yes everything down to that since even when burt reynolds recruits uh mark Wahlberg to be in his films yeah the burt reynolds goal is to make a film yeah it's not just he wants to yeah absolutely two people having sex yeah he wants to create like a masterpiece of his own and while it's it's funny to hear what he's saying uh, you can tell yeah uh, and, we, and we like so excited about and it and we, we take him serious when he says it still mm-hmm. yeah which it's is, not like laughable yeah and I think maybe when I first watched the film it may it might have been right sure like, at first you're like <laughs> but it's more of an awkward it, yeah like, it's uncomfortable <laughs> this yeah. is weird but then as it goes on you're like wow everybody yeah. really cares about what's going on yeah which in turn, I think, makes it much easier for us as an audience to care about what's going on. Absolutely. Since everybody else is so invested, Absolutely. it's so easy for you to get invested in what's going on. Yeah. And he shows this in like his short films, which you can watch on YouTube. They're on there. They are. I don't are. know if we Both mentioned that. Um, and you can see it in Eight, but here you can see it a lot. Yeah. He, he loves all of his characters yeah. so much. Yeah. And he wants you to. It's, it's awesome that I love, and I've noticed this now that we've, we've been watching PTA films and we've been talking about PTA films. Yeah. That... Each almost each character in the ensemble gets a moment. Oh, Nobody yeah. is ever Absolutely. there's a, rarely characters who get overlooked. Yeah. And even if they're smaller like William H. Macy and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Don Cheadle don't really offer much to the overall picture. Sure. But each of them have a moment or I, several that's yeah. really upsetting. Absolutely. And they're really crucial to the feeling of the film. And it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know I how mean, he does it. We talk about we talk about that scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman where he tries to kiss Walter. Yeah, and the camera just stays on him, Ugh. and like half of his well, face is cut idiot. off. Idiot! Yeah, I'm an idiot! God damn it! And he's just crying the, in the car. His willingness to like linger on that shot for so long is gutsy. We we start to see this in that too. Just the general statement of his willingness to linger. Yeah. on a shot. Yeah, because you know, like in Taxi Driver, when like when Robert De Niro's on the phone yeah, and, and the camera goes it, away, I feel like PTA does the opposite. He's like, yeah. let's, no, 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 let's no. watch you. Yeah. You know, you, we're going to love you even more because you're humiliated, you're embarrassed, yeah. you know, you're in pain. Things like that. It's, 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 it's the, really sophisticated he, for a second movie. He starts to get really good at being a better editor too, I think. He does. He because does. he starts to very well use the Kuleshov effect, which for those who don't know... The Kuleshov effect is basically, in layman's terms, A plus B equals C. Yeah. And so by putting one piece of film next to another piece of film, you are creating a third meeting. Right. Absolutely. So the scene that comes to mind in this is when his mom is yelling, when oh. the mom is yelling at Mark Wahlberg. And she's like, you're an idiot and you're never going to make it. And he's yeah. like, I'm not stupid. Why do you keep calling that? And then it cuts. Yeah. And it's his dad just sitting in the chair. and the other Not room. saying anything. It's so upsetting. It is. It's so, ugh. It is. Just like Like out the gate. It's so upsetting. It is. He just wants to be loved. Oh, God. He just wants to be loved for who he is. And they're just such a... And we see this, too. We see it a little bit in Heartache. Again, Mm -hmm. this is ramped up. The idea of like a makeshift family. Yeah. People rejected by the real family Mm -hmm. and trying to kind of make a family out of the people they found. Yeah. Very much the case. You know, Burt Reynolds is very much like the father figure. Yeah. And Julianne Moore becomes the, the mom. mom. Yeah. Heather Graham's like the sister. Yeah, like it's, it's a weird, very, like obviously there's the sexual element, but, yeah. but, but thematically <laughs> we, we, that's, we push that aside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thematically you can tell that's what he's going for. Yeah. I love that, that scene in the diner at the beginning. When yeah we're all meet, talking and they, it's like a family sitting yeah, at the table the really, way they do it and they even do it with the with the cup with who's sitting by who yeah like it's mom and dad exactly and like, the Duke like he has to have done that intentionally and it's so and it's, i think every scene there on out is done that way i think every time oh Julian yeah, is yeah. next to burt reynolds yeah and every time like and it's Mark a, Wahlberg is next to somebody else as as it should be um uh, everyone's great yeah. Luis Guzman is he's, fantastic. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he always, he's like always asking Burt Reynolds to be in the pornos. He's so funny The first line when he's like, ooh, mamacita <laughs> at, the, at the club. Like, oh, he's fantastic. He's great. Burt Reynolds is he's awesome, awesome. in the beard-wearing, oh. like, well, maybe you pointed um, out Supreme, like, supremely perfect like yeah, it's like it's like perfect like black the and then gray right, yeah. on, right on the touch oh man Julianne Moore is so good fantastic yes uh, easily probably easily the best Mark yes the best Mark Wahlberg yes it's probably the best Burt Reynolds yes it's I don't know about the best Julianne Moore that gets a little more her career is a little bit broader than theirs i would say but yeah reynolds and obviously she obviously has. oscar nominations other yeah films. yeah uh both her and reynolds get nominated for a supporting actor and supporting actress respectively so yeah. that's a first yep and, but he, and he gets his first screenplay yes so so a first for all these but not the last for all these not the last <laughs> at all no um cool okay crucial moments in this one the, there's the Hoff- like five <laughs> the hoffman scene would you say so the one hoffman one of them? scene is one of them um, I wanted to throw the alley to you. You brought this up when we watched it together. Yeah. Is the Saturday Night Fever with the karate oh, in the man. mirror. Oh, <laughs> man. Yes. It's sad. I love Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> I keep telling Josh he needs to watch it. And at the beginning when, when Dirk Diggler is in the mirror, he's not even Dirk Diggler yet, technically. Yeah. But he's doing karate in the mirror and there's all the posters on the wall. Super Saturday Night Fever influence. That's awesome. And then later on in the movie, he's seen wearing like a headband and he's shirtless, which is very much... The the sequel to, to *Saturn Night Fever* staying alive, which is a terrible movie, <laughs> but it's at a terrible point in Dirk Diggler's life. So that's awesome. If I ever meet PTA, that's going to be my question: yeah. Is was that intentional, or if I'm just looking way too closely at things? Yeah. Either way, the, it makes me happy when I see it in the movie. The crucial scenes, obviously, the "I'm an idiot" scene is oh. like the trademark. I feel like that's the one a lot of people know. That scene missed me the first time I saw it. Obviously, it was impactful, but watching yeah. it again was just like, oh, it's my so God. upsetting
1: and um, he never
0: that's never fixed no he never like resolves no um I love no this is more of just like a fun scene sure but when he when they when he decides on the name Dirk Diggler yeah. and the sign comes up and it explodes <laughs> um Let's, can we say Riley is hilarious <laughs> how much you bench we'll say it on the same time <laughs> that's the best like one two you didn't say yeah. it either <laughs> people say I look um, like, like Han Solo <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. He's hilarious. Um but that the um I'm trying to go in order as best it's as possible. Well. It's hard because it, it's also um, it's a it's two and a half hours, right? Yeah, it's just it does not feel like two and a half hours. Yeah, no. At all. Um The scene the when him and Burt Reynolds fight. Oh I and he comes out and he's like, I'm ready now, let's yeah. go now. And he's yeah. and he it's tells him dick. to wait. Yeah. Um when Uh, there's so so much when um, he when he tries to get uh, cocaine from the dude and he makes him like jerk off in the car and he can't get it up yeah Uh, and and then then, like and then him getting the shit kicked out of him is like split screen with roller girl like curb stomping yeah they intercut it um the score right there, rewatching it, is awesome. It's creepy, right? It's, yeah, it's like... Dun, 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 and it's there, like there's a weird, like... it's. I don't know whether it's an organ. I, I forget now. But, like, the very beginning of the film when it's still black. Remember yeah. there's that weird little musical passage? Yeah. And then the disco hits. Very weird. It is weird. And it kind of reminds me of that scene, yeah, where suddenly, like, all, the, all the, the fun music goes away. Yeah. And it's just really, like, menacing. Um, there's obviously a lot of fun moments, like, when he first gets... When they're buying clothes and like he's oh. trying to like – and then like when he first gets his house and yeah. he's got like all the Italian stuff. Yeah. Um, Weirdly, going back to the music real quick, not John Bryan. No. This is the only film that isn't scored by John Bryan or later on Johnny Greenwood. Wow. This guy's Michael Penn. Oh, okay. And this, so this is kind of a, an odd outlier, kind of like um, – what is the film later on that Robert Elswit doesn't shoot? The master, the master, and fan thread, and fan thread. Yeah, so there's little, there's little uh, exceptions, but mm-hmm. for the most part, he's working with the same people <laughs> okay. throughout. Cool. Um, uh, that scene is great. The uh, obvious, our favorite scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Alfred Molina scene the Alfred Molina scene is incredible I that might be one of the most entertaining when scenes I, when I rewatched it because we always talk about when he sings uh, Jesse's Girl yeah but I forgot because when they first come into the house Sister Christian is playing yep and he's standing up and then he kneels down he's like hold on I love this part and he like mimics the drums <laughs> That's uh, and like the firecrackers oh, going God. on and they're all like flinching. Yeah, and then Tom's Jane just fucking shoots up the place. God, it's I guess he so got the intense. he got the firecrackers from a movie directed by Robert Downey Sr. Wow, Robert Downey Sr. made a lot of like independent artsy movies in the '70s, and he's in the movie. Boogie Nights. He's the guy who refuses to give Wahlberg, like, his, his music. Oh, okay. When they're, like, harassing I, the yeah, guy. So just random little tidbit. I didn't know Downey Sr. was a filmmaker. I have not seen his stuff. Yeah, I didn't know that but either. But now we know why Robert Downey has a junior on um, his name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the end when he comes back to the Oh, Reynolds, yeah. Yeah. And then the Don't... scene that hit me, like, a million <sighs> times harder yeah. this le- most recent time around is when Don Cheeto goes to the donut shop. Oh, man. To buy donuts. And he gets you te- robbed. Te- you texted yeah. me. Oh man. And he gets robbed, <laughs> and the dude, there's like the 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 the, the bystander, and he shoots the, the, uh, robber. the robber. And then the robber flinches and shoots him. And then as the bystander is dying, he shoots the cashier. And then and it's sh- and uh, there's blood all over Don Cheadle, and he's just shaking. And he's got the white suit. Oh my god, it's horrifying. And then it he is. takes the money it and is. it's just uh Is it after Dirk Diggler <laughs> gets beat up? It's so that's so it's right. It's got a very magnolia feel in this scene because okay. when it's like right after he gets beat up, the the truck pulls away, the limo oh, that Bert and Reynolds the and roller, they, like pass out. by, that's and then right. Don Cheadle's car passes that's into right. the shop, into the that's right, room. yeah. And and at this point in the film, just for those who haven't seen it, which I guess you'd be very confused. Spoilers, point, yeah, right. <laughs> Big spoilers. Um, at this point, they're all trying to. Get away from the porn thing as they mm-hmm. knew it, right? Yeah. Don Cheadle's trying to go straight. Dirk Diggler, Dirk Diggler's trying to basically make music, be out on his of, own, yeah, yeah just yeah. do what he wants. Uh, Bert Reynolds' character is is trying to make like video because that's yeah. like the new thing, mm-hmm. but he's not a fan of it. So it's all like this is like the rock bottom area of yeah. the film. Uh, Can we talk about the in the Alfred Melinda scene? First of all, he's amazing. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's like you dare me to do it. He's yeah. like you're good. <laughs> yeah, but. He's like, but when they leave the camera again, leaving the camera for a long time, lingering on something, mm-hmm. when Wahlberg just spaces out. Oh yeah, right, right mm-hmm. before Thomas Jane loses it. Yeah, again, he's just kind of sitting he there, holds on him for an uncomfortably long time. Yeah, but it it's really good. It's really good. So <sighs> he's just a genius. It's, it's just so it's so good. It's weird. We and get, he's in he's in his twenties still when this is made, this right? Is very early in his career. Yeah. He and so he comes out and it's like this is what he wanted to do, you know. It's a, it's basically an extensive on the short, the first short that he made. Yes. Um, we're starting to see some elements that he will later continue through the rest of his career. Absolutely. The really long takes, the really long and extensive tracking shots, the niche period piece of like, Mm -hmm. not necessarily very grand, even though he has some grand period pieces. Um, and then obviously the focus on character and dialogue and how people interact. Absolutely. Fathers and sons, yeah, mentors and students, mm-hmm. family, yep, all these themes. He's basically kind of nailing into the ground. Yeah. there's not a lot of religion in this one. Religion not a lot. seems to be a big thing in Paul Thomas Anderson's yeah. biography, but yeah. there's not too much religion in this one, which I guess makes sense. I mean, given, I would assume there's not a lot of overlap between porn. Yeah, and the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but but yeah, ooh, uh, so it's so good. It's so good. I love watching this movie. If if anyone. Um, if anyone has the DVD or is in a position to buy the DVD, buy it because it's got two great commentaries. One of them is just PTA. Yeah. It does. And that's that's a big deal because he only does commentaries for Hard Eight and Boogie Nights. Yeah. He doesn't do commentaries. And then the other one is uh, Anderson and the whole cast. So, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. He's just riffing on it. Yeah. Place. So totally recommend that. All right. We do have a little bit of... Little ones. Ooh. We have two little omissions before we get to the, okay. not omissions, but two little additions. Cool. So what one. is, first, what is your heartbreaking PTA scene? Oh, And what is your grade out of 10? Okay. Heartbreaking PTA scene is, oh God. There's so many good ones. Yeah. We talked about Hoffman. We talked about the other one uh, with the mother. Yeah. I'm going to throw one out there just that we haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. which is when Julianne Moore doesn't get her kid back. And then they just cut to her outside and oh, oh, she's yeah. just crying. Yeah. Yeah. So it might not be like my favorite, favorite, no, yeah. but it's worth throwing out there. Okay. So I want to throw that because that's, okay. oh God. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and then out of 10, I give this one a 10. Okay. I think this movie's fantastic. Um, how about you my scene that yes. we also didn't talk about and yeah. now that I remember it I'm like how the fuck did we miss it <laughs> is when William H. Macy shoots himself oh god you're right and oh so he god. goes and so it's the New Year's Eve party going into 1980 oh. and it's a one take I didn't know that I didn't when he walks out it, to the car because he walks out to the car and he opens it and he gets in oh. and he gets the gun and then he walks back to the room and his wife is cheating on him again and he just shoots his wife and the dude she's with and you don't see him shoot them he just walks yeah. in and like you hear the gun yeah. Roll, yeah. and then he just, he walks back out and everybody at the party just gasps and he gives this really like unsettling smile before he shoots himself. and as soon as he shoots himself it cuts and it says and it's just 80s (laughs) oh god you're right so that scene and i again oh man oh back to just to just to add on to that mm -hmm. we talked about how like the porn thing like he takes it seriously right yeah and and earlier in the film william h macy's like his wife being uh being like, you know, having affairs mm-hmm. is used kind of for laughs. It's funny. Yeah, We're like laughing at him like, Oh, he's such a loser. Yeah. But then he just turns it and just yeah. spins it. And suddenly you're horrified. Yeah. And that's, Oh, it's so, and even the first time, cause through for those who haven't yeah. seen the film again, there are several scenes before he shoots his wife of his wife having an affair. And yeah, so the first like time anyone she yeah. just have sex with him. So like anyone. the first time it happens, it's so upsetting because he like he walks in and he's like, What the fuck is going on? She's like, Can you just close the door? Yeah. And it's like, man. She's like this, sleep sleep on the couch. Yeah, it's like, geez, this yeah. is so upsetting. But then he Ugh. just quickly spins it around, as you said. Okay. Um great. But that's scene. my scene. I'm glad you remembered that. I'm going ten out of ten too. Are you? Okay. It's when I first watched it uh and even like on first few rewatches mm-hmm. it was probably like an eight or a nine mm-hmm. and it was more towards the bottom of my pta list but now just re-watching it there's a new love i have for it and just like it's one of those movies where i've, I've started to tell people like at work and that i talk to them like you should just watch boogie nights <laughs> it's what? really good can you pinpoint like what the thing is that bumped I it up do, for I you i can't okay i have no it's idea. just grown on you it's just so much better now, okay. and i know okay i don't I, know why no i understand it. yeah so, yeah. All right. So, we have some omissions before the next feature film, so run us through those. You did the same uh, thing I did. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so, the following year, 1998, he does a short film called Flagpole Special. Now, we would have liked to have watched this yeah. and told you what it was all about, but we cannot find it online. And, and apparently, worry. if we go on um, the Paul Thomas Anderson website, it says that it was screened once in 1998. And it suffered technical difficulties, is what's listed as. Okay. But from what we can kind of take away from it, it starred John C. Riley again uh-huh. and Chris Penn. And it, it, they describe it as a precursor to the character that Tom Cruise eventually plays in Magnolia. Huh. So I don't know whether it ties into that or whether okay. it's just the same ideas. Okay. So there's that. That's out there. If anybody can find that, good luck. Okay, cool. And then he does, in 1998 as well, two Fiona Apple videos. Yes across the universe a cover of a great Beatles song mm-hmm. and then fast as you can now these are they're good videos I mean yep. they're not like mind blowing but they're they're like in the vein of what's to come yeah with magnolia okay um apparently him and Fiona Apple were dating at the time okay there's a really good article on Grantland about the relationship but the idea of there being like Her music is very much like, just like, it's like beauty, but then it's like chaotic and that's in the videos. Okay. It's like in, across the universe, she's like sitting in like a diner and she's like walking around with headphones Uh and then there's just like a riot throughout the entire place. (laughs) Everyone else is just destroying stuff. And then I guess John Bryan produces both songs. Nice. And John Bryan goes on to score Magnolia. So there's some kind of connection there. Yeah. Um, So it sets us up for... The third feature film. Yes quite possibly his easily his most ambitious yeah. easily his most over the top his longest his longest and just and probably his most heartbreaking I would reserve that it's not the most heartbreaking just personally but there is a very consistent like back to back to back to back to back moments of like yeah Jesus this is yeah. really depressing if it's not the most heartbreaking would you say that it's the second yeah most heartbreaking? it's easily the very next one okay. So, um, Magnolia. Magnolia now, we watch, now, we got to watch this the other day. We did. We um, watched it together. Woo! Um, with, God, and again, another f- amazing cast. So, there is the return of Philip Baker Hall, uh, Thomas Jane, <laughs> um, William H. Macy, Phil, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, uh, Luis Guzman. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it. Alfred Molina again. Yeah. Uh, Melora Walters, who we haven't mentioned yet, she was in Heart Eight really briefly. Yeah, she's briefly in Heart Eight, and she's a little bit of a bigger part in Boogie yeah, Nights. She's, she's Don Cheadle's wife yes. in the end. And uh, so she's in this as well. I don't remember her name in the movie. I remember it. So she's been in all these as well. So she's up to... And then we see the introduction of people like Tom Cruise. Yeah. Patton Oswalt in a small scene. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, Jason Robard. Jason right. Robard. Uh, <laughs> the... I can't I'm trying to think of who else. There's, I mean, everyone else. I there's think a lot there's, of people. Yeah. I think, I think I tried to count it up the other day. Uh, it's nine people between Boogie Nights and Magnolia. Like the same... Okay. Uh, people being cast okay uh yeah just and and for people looking for thomas jane it's really short they show a a montage they show a montage of philip baker hall's character jimmy gator on television and there's like a couple frames where it's the younger version of him and Mm -hmm. it's thomas jane yeah so blink and you'll miss it but that's how he's in there so we discussed how as his career goes on there will be it will be harder and harder to talk about what the movies are about (laughs) <laughs> this is probably the most difficult. This is when we hit a wall. One to talk about because <laughs> it's not really about anything. It's like about themes, yeah, and which you so can't put in a words. It surrounds eight people. I yeah, think. yeah. So there's eight people who are all connected by either another one of the other eight people in the in the film, yeah, or through the quiz show, yeah, which is what we keep coming back you're to right. in the film. So you're right. Um, Philip Baker Hall is this legendary television host and yeah. he hosts this quiz show called What Do Kids Know? And it's just like adults and kids answer trivia questions yeah, and win yeah. money or whatever. So everybody is either connected through meeting other, one of the eight other characters in the film or through the quiz show. Yeah. That we keep coming back to. Super ensemble piece. So, and even like when we watched it, the intro... <laughs> is so, like, not about the movie. Oh, the pre-credits <laughs> With scene? the pre-credits before, yeah. like, with the kid that jumps from the building but gets shot yeah, by the wife. Yeah, And it, they talk about, like, the kid that tells them that the, the gun was loaded. And yeah. it's just, it's insane. Yeah, it's like these weird instances of, like, stranger-than-fiction stories. Yeah. And then, you know, the narrator's like, I'd like to think it's coincidence. And, and then, then we get in the movie. And <laughs> then they know it. And it's never really made explicitly clear how it ties in. No. You kind of have never. to figure that out for yourself. So... We're, we're introduced to everybody, and everybody has a very different uh core as a character. Tom Cruise is Frank Mackey, yes, the misogynist eccentric. <laughs> would you, would you, what is he like? Would you say he's like a he's like a guru? He's like a self help, I guess. But like like a guru, for like women, I guess, like a guru for dudes who want to like have who want to get laid, women. yeah. And it's it's weird though because it's respect the cock you know it's like it's like it's it's almost there it's 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 not obviously what the right way to approach it is but 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 it is a way the right way to him but so he's like the eccentric like weirdly misogynistic like over the top eccentric kind of guy who's just he is the color of the movie he is so over the top and he's always yelling and he's He's got some insane lines. He's incredible. Yeah. Every scene... Well, I guess I could say this for every scene in the movie, but especially every scene with him is just like up to ten. Yeah. Like he does there's not like little peaks and valleys. Like no. it's just cruise. It is constantly all the way up. he is just like constantly like punching yeah. his, the walls. Yeah, like in the interview he has, he's like yeah. doing backflips, yeah. he's in his underwear, and <laughs> yeah. he's doing push ups and he's just like And she asks him to get dressed and he's like, Why? Yeah, he's just it's like, like he's like, like he's It's like, like, he's, insane. Yeah. Um He's fantastic. He is. Easily the best Tom Cruise. i totally deserving totally des- of his yeah. nomination. Yes, yeah. so we have another nomination uh, for Best Supporting Actor. Another three nominations. Boogie Knights got three nominations for in the Academy, and so did Magnolia for Tom Cruise and a supporting actor, another original screenplay, okay. and original song. For oh. Save Me by Amy Miller. Okay, so, okay. Which we'll discuss awesome. in a little bit, um, um, in, a, in a minute. John C. Riley returns, and he is just a police officer. Yes. He's like a normal, he's like a clean-cut, well-going guy. Yeah. Just your average, everyday... Lonely. Dude, lonely. Um, he works out, he's religious, and he is a police officer. But he's also very, like outcast by the other officers. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he discovers a crime scene at one bit and when he goes to tell the chief about what's going on, he doesn't want to hear it. He wants to hear from the other Yeah, yeah. They don't acknowledge him really. Um, When they show him taking notes at like the station, like he's not sitting with anyone. Mm -hmm. Very nice little uh, subtle ways to show it. Yeah. I give Anderson a lot of credit for being a writer who is very wordy. Mm -hmm. He knows when to to be quiet. Yeah, he does. And to let the action kind of speak. Um... Jason Robard is the I don't remember what he's oh, famous for. Robards is the guy who owns the network. Okay, that's that right. The quiz show. So he on. runs the network that the quiz show yeah. is on. Yeah. And he is in the film he is dying of I think pancreatic cancer. cancer. Yeah. 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 And so he's dying of cancer. Um, Julianne Moore is his wife isn't this the- amazing how long it takes <laughs> yeah like we covered like a couple short films in the span it takes to like discuss Magnolia's plot <laughs> Julianne Moore is his wife and she she's is, like a trophy wife yeah kind of. she and she as in her words in the film she married him and had sex with him just so she could have his money yeah but then, as we see in the film, she is now in love with him. That he is die- as yes, he's dying. Yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman returns, and he is the nurse that and is taking care. Is Phil, right? Yeah, he's the nurse that's taking care of Jason Robards as he dies. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. And then Robards is the father of. And Jason Robards, the way it's all connected, <laughs> Jason Robards is the father of. Tom Cruise's character Frank Mackey Yes Who he has disowned In a way Yeah He doesn't want to talk to him They don't talk Um So then To wrap that up With <laughs> Since He owns Since Jason Robards Owns the network Philip Baker Hall Is Jimmy Gator He's the host Of the television show That the network is on then there is the child who I don't know his act, the actor's name, I don't name, know the actor's name either. Um, but he is on the show, he's one of the eight people that's intertwined. Yeah, with. he's a genius, yeah. a new boy genius. Yeah, uh, William H. Macy is uh, whiz Kid Donnie Smith, he's the old boy he's the genius, old boy genius, uh, that was a he won the show, like, when he was a kid way back in the day. Yeah. Um, and then... His parents screwed him out of his, his parents money. parents screwed him out of the check. And then there is Melora Walters, who is Jimmy Gator's daughter. Yes. And who, she is a coke addict. And she's Claudia Wilson, and yes. so she's a coke addict. And she's, like, the ultimate coke addict. Can we just talk about that? Yeah. It's, the film takes place within 24 hours. She doesn't have coke to, like, kill Tony Montana's, like... <laughs> Crew of bodyguards. Yeah. like it's amazing how much he does. Yeah, I got like a little lightheaded watching it. Like it's a lot. And 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 she she eventually starts dating John C. Riley's character, the cop. Yeah. And um, I'm still not sure whether he's just being oblivious because he likes her or nervous because of that, mm-hmm. or he's just a really bad cop because she does so much coke. That in a, front of him, a blind person could could tell that she was doing coke. She does it almost in front of him in a couple scenes. It's a lot. <laughs> like he's making coffee. Yeah. And she's doing coke in the yeah. other room. It's like, and, and we're talking about so there's there's themes of, there's cancer. Yeah. So there's, there's like the death, drug addiction. There's the the family ties. Yeah. With not only does Frank Mackey and uh, Jason Robards character not see each other, but uh, Jimmy Gator, Philip Baker Hall, and Melora Walters don't see each yeah. other very often. They don't get along. Yeah. Obviously, Donnie um, Smith's parents have been. Yeah. Donnie him, Smith's parents don't get along. never see. Them. Uh, oh, Alfred Molina returns. He is very as the part. shop owner. Yeah, he's Donnie Smith's uh, boss. Um, and so <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's obviously a lot going on. There's a lot of sad bits. Um, there's the there's the possibility of uh, child abuse. The possibility we see that would um, never really gets confirmed one no. way or another. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We're, we're gonna discuss um, that in a minute. But then so so there's a lot of themes, and then obviously. Religion
1: mm-hmm. is
0: massive. Yes. Only because, and probably only because of the climax. The In, climax of the film. Interesting thing, because uh, on the Magnolia DVD, there's like an hour-long documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that moment or something. But it's awesome. It's, it's PTA making the movie. Yeah. And he says that when he wrote the Frogs thing, he didn't realize it was like a biblical thing. Oh, Until wow. they told him when like someone read the script, and he's yeah. like, oh, I'm going to run with that. Wow. And then, so I guess it was unintentional, but then cool. it really takes on a religious thing yeah. when, when it came time to make the movie. So uh, the only other religion we see really is John C. Riley's character is praying in several scenes. That's right. That's right. And he is a firm believer. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. It's I mean, there. It's there. It's there. So... It's just like a constant, <laughs> the movie is just like nonstop depressing scenes and like upsetting moments. Yeah. And it's, it's just insane. Yeah. With, with his ensemble, he's able to swing from like one climactic moment to the next yeah. for three hours, basically. Yeah. Basically, the last like two hours is nothing but like <laughs> insane character moments <laughs> for all like 15 characters in the movie. It's, it's like he's trying to like ridiculous. burn it out. Yeah. And what's weird, we talked about this when we watched it. It doesn't get tiring. It doesn't. Which is I think weird. when you, when it's over and you sit down and process it, yeah. then you're like, that's exhausting. Yeah, but, but when the, you're watching it, you're just like, this is interesting. This, this is, is interesting. Yeah, it takes you from one um, interesting bit to the other. Uh, apparently, he says he structured it like the Beatles song "A Day in the Life," which it like, of course he did. Soup, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but it, like, meaning like, it's supposed to like build up. Pretty much heard the song. It like builds up. And then it, like, settles back down and then it builds up again. Yeah. And Magnolia kind of does that a little yeah. bit where it's, like, it reaches that, like, when uh, when the, the little kid on the quiz show, like, pees himself. Yeah. Or when things like that. It, like, hits, it, like, a midpoint climax. Yeah. And then it hits, like, a, a second climax yeah. later on. So, there's obviously a lot that happens. Whew. There's a lot I'm of scenes. Tired. There's I'm more tired of... explaining it than <laughs> I am watching it. <laughs> there's a lot of scenes we want to talk about. The one I want to hit just because of the recency that you brought up. What? That... Um, I want to share is the bar with oh, William H Macy. So in in uh, Magnolia, William H Macy's character is um, is gay. Yeah, and he there are several scenes of him going to this bar. Yeah. where he finds the bartender attractive. Yeah, yeah. And he's so like he wants the to, and So he's in love with the bartender. He wants to. Um, he wants them to be in a relationship. He wants them to be married. And so he constantly, but he doesn't have the confidence. Yeah. To make a move as, yeah. as one would say yeah and what you pointed out that's just downright genius you bastard is in the <laughs> most recent Best Picture winner in The Shape of Water Richard Jenkins' character oh yeah does that in the movie yeah he goes to the pie shop because he thinks the bartender is attractive and Richard Jenkins' character is gay yeah. in The Shape of Water and it's uh, like, it's like almost night and day. <laughs> the it is weird. Yeah. So I really like you said. If you could meet PTA, if I met Del Toro, that would be the question. Whether I Whether he took that like, from Magnolia? Did you take that scene from Magnolia? Is that <laughs> what that's inspired by? If you had which which instance of it do you prefer? It's weirdly better in The Shape of Water. I and think. Wh- what is it about it that does just because like not only because in it's it's upsetting in both films, sure, but it's it feels a little better in the shape of water because not only does Richard Jenkins figure out that he doesn't like the guy cause the guy's a douchebag. Yeah. Cause he just, he's racist. You know, yeah. he doesn't let the black couple sit at yeah. the, in order. Um, and then he also like gets the one last fuck you cause he, he's eating the pie and oh. then he like wipes it from his tongue. So I kind of like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. We talked about that, but in terms of PTA scenes, there's like a fucking million. There's a lot here. Yeah, there if we is, were making like a greatest hits of scenes, Magnolia would have quite a few yeah, entries. Yeah, there's, so there's obviously uh, when Donnie, when William H. Macy confronts the bartender. Oh, God. Um, I'll be good to you. I can be good to you. Oh, God. Uh, when you the kid When the kid pees his pants yeah. on, the, on the TV show. Yeah. Um, his dad's like, comes in and yells at him and yeah, stuff. Yeah, when uh, the date between John C. Reilly and Melora Walters... And you like that scene a lot. I do like that scene a lot. Yeah. The, uh, when Philip Baker Hall is talking to his wife, Ugh. the end when his wife, when the mom of Melora Walters goes and sees Melora yeah. Walters. Uh, obviously the climax. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the entire like last 30 minutes. In mean, which um, we haven't explained what happens yet. And then when John C. Reilly loses his gun. Oh, he's crying in yeah. the bushes. And he, think- and he gets shot at. Yeah. Oh God. what um, I'm trying to think if there's any other ones uh another one that i like a lot and it comes around that midpoint mm-hmm. climax and it leads into a scene that we probably should talk about mm-hmm. when Jason Robards is talking to Philip Seymour Hoffman yes and he's like, I let my love go. Yeah, and he gives that whole thing, and then it, it cuts to where everybody else is at. Yeah. Oh god, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. He's and and Robards basically just lays there the whole time. He, yeah. He's kind of incapacitated. That's like the only scene where he gets to like act act. And then and he does a great job. And then uh, when Julia Moore leaves yeah. the last time, and she talks to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. And then the suicide. Oh. And the kid that raps to John C. Riley yeah. like describes the body There's so much. It's. Uh. Um. I guess we'll talk about Hoffman in more detail later. He, he's obviously... He's a crucial character. He's obviously a crucial point he's here. He's a crucial point. It is a very... Uh, it's a very layered movie. It is. But, like, weirdly, his character is... I'm not going to say thin because that makes it sound bad, but it's a very simple character. He doesn't... Uh, he There's not much to him. He's, he's just, just trying to do the right thing. He's just doing what's and right. I think it's a credit to Hoffman. And I wonder if anderson wrote it that way like mm. i'm gonna write it pretty simple because i know hoffman will bring something to it because yeah. he's great in it yeah he's heartbreaking he's like the heart and soul of the movie he is um and so i just want to as we go on we just should probably compliment hoffman each time out because right? he's Jesus. great in all of it um yeah,
1: and on the scene i'm like
0: <laughs> and the scene with cruz yeah the scene with cruz uh when he finally meets up with jason robarts again i don't remember the line but it's like it's like a Knife in the stomach when he's like, "I'm not gonna cry." For you. That, yeah. yeah, I'm not oh gonna my cry God. for you. <laughs> it's so upsetting. And most of that scene is done in the one take where he walks in, yeah, and he just kneels down. Oh, Cruise is ooh, very good, very good. I'd like to see this is the Mission Impossible's are fun, but people need to use cruise, cruise more. like this. Yeah, this right? is what cruise should be used. People for need more to often. use them more in this vein. But the climax that we'll talk about, and then we'll move into our favorites. Yeah, the climax. <laughs> is what "quote unquote" connects everybody. Is there is and toward the end of the film, there is a moment after a lot of bad shit has happened, yeah, where frogs rain from the sky. And yes, that's correct. Yeah, like, and the amphibian yes. frogs. And this happens apparently this has happened in real life on several occasions. Skies. Yes, yeah. this has happened. This there is recorded record of this happening in reality, which is which horrifying. is terrifying. Yeah. Uh let's I can't remember. falling from the sky. It is also a Bible verse. Yes. It is a verse in the Bible. Yes. Um so it it is I mean cuz how do what do you take away from this? uh damn it i gotta figure it out <laughs> oh you trying to find the instances where it's happened so uh there's like youtube videos and i'm like i need to watch that Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like Pop but, the podcast yeah i gotta watch like, uh let's see <laughs> i just want to see the bible verse that's in oh okay oh that's horrifying <laughs> it's horrifying in the film too it just, is like the way, oh man! But anyway, I think it's an Exodus verse. Okay. But anyway, it's from the. It's a scene in the Bible. There's a, there's yeah, a yeah. scene. It's a moment it's in a the scene. Bible. Um, it's it, it. It's really intense when it happens. Is. And it, it like for how dramatic and how terrible everybody's lives are, it really just like puts everything into perspective. Yeah, like it's just like all your problems <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah exactly. Down. And it keeps it keeps Jimmy Gator from yeah. from trying to commit suicide. Yeah, it, it stops Jimmy Gator from killing himself. It stops um, William. Macy. Well, doesn't stop William H. Macy. Uh, it keeps William H. Macy from, I guess, making a mistake, going to jail. Yeah, going to jail maybe, because um, um, he tries to commit a robbery. Uh, he gets fired from his job earlier in the film. Uh, it. I'm trying to think of. A, I don't know. I don't know whether whether uh, Claudia's mother would have come to get her yeah whether that was something you yeah. know it's hard to say um but, but obviously once the frogs- she, she clearly st- can't stop driving at that yeah way, you know yeah. so it forces so her to go that. and see claudia um but let's we have a lot of other films to talk about <laughs> i, I know them. i know okay um, so oh and so okay let's yeah let's so put a sinkhole on it. it's like it's like the film it just never stops, it just never talking stops. About it's literally film. just it's a constant wave of melancholy and anger and regrets and faith and just all and trying to find love and all this stuff and if you're having a hard time personally mm-hmm. it's a really good movie to watch it is a really good because movie it's not sappy and it I, doesn't make you feel bad about your situation yeah. but it kind of connects to you in a way so i think since there's so many films we should give our two favorite pta <laughs> moments yeah right there's so many scenes so the first one for me is okay. when john c riley loses his gun okay that the, from the first time and even now, that scene is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like you're going to say the one I'm thinking of, so I'm not going to say it. And if you don't say it, I'll just okay. bring it up. <laughs> uh, but then the other scene that has hit me more recently is there's a moment toward the end of the film where Phil Baker Hall is talking to his wife. And she asks him why um, him and Claudia don't get along. And, he said, and she says, did you molest her? Yeah. And he says, I don't know. Yeah. And that just... Yeah. The way he delivers it and how, like, relaxed he is the whole time. Yeah. He's clearly upset. It's heartbreaking. It is. It's heartbreaking. It is. It's It's one of those things. It's like, how do you not know? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. You feel like, like she does. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Okay. Okay, those are great. But great out of 10, I'm going 10 again. Are you? This is back-to-back 10s okay. for me. Okay. Okay, so two. One is the, the scene, the other – very gutsy scene. Mm-hmm. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about it. It's <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it here. Is when uh, at the midpoint of the film, when everybody's arguably at their lowest point. And alone. And alone Nobody's with anybody else. Well said, yes. Nobody's Crucial. Because like it's right before John C. Riley and Claudia yes. go on the date. Yes. And like the kid's not on the show yet. Yes. Crucial. Yeah. Um, also Total tangents. God, this movie. Um, Riley. We don't see Riley again, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, I think this is the best of the Riley performances. He's really good in this. This, yeah. I think he goes out on a high note with Anderson. Yeah. Um, So I just wanted to give John C. Riley props because we've been talking about him the last little run here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the scene is when Amy Mann's song, the song that was apparently nominated for an Oscar, Mm -hmm. plays, um... Wise (laughs) Up. Yeah. Um... And everyone starts lip syncing to it. Yeah. Mid film. Just like in the middle of it all. (laughs) Julianne Moore is ODing and And she's dying in a car and she's Mm -hmm. singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Robards is dying in bed, and him and Hoffman are singing it. Yeah. It's it's haunting, and it's really confusing when you first watch the movie. It doesn't make like why is this here? You know, it doesn't it make remains sense. one of the boldest things PTA has ever done in a movie. Easily, and I give him props for that. It's easily the bold... I would say it's the. You think boldest it's the? I like guess so, just in terms of like film language, yeah, how like, odd that is. Yeah. Okay, so there's this, that. I wonder if the what? fun Shape of Water reference again. I wonder if this is like a fun note to how del toro got the music number oh in when the that shape happens of water. yeah because hmm. it's just like out of nowhere like it's just like this musical number I not that del toro no 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 it's, yeah not that del toro is not unique you know people were absolutely were, taking homage is not yeah people were you know ragging on him for a little bit about Whatever. that. that's not what i'm saying just people are inspired by other people jesus we haven't even talked about that. PTA is taken inspiration from a lot of people if, in these films. So far. Yeah, yeah just so Disney's far a lot. Uh, I don't know whether we we'll get to that later or what. What My, would be your number two? The second one, and probably the one that continues to give me chills, <laughs> <Yes>. is, <laughs> I knew it. is when, um, after the scene that Josh mentioned, which you set up nicely, Thank the you. when when he's not sure whether he molested his daughter when she was younger, and, and uh, when the mother finally goes to see her, the camera zooms in on a, a painting in the, in her room, and then it just says, "But it did happen," and there's no context given no. to it. And it's it's almost like immediately after. Yes, and she that gets there, is, she arrives, they hug, and, yeah. and then it's just, and then boom, it's just boom, It zooms into that, and it we don't go back to it. That gives me chills. That makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I. But did it? Ha- <sighs> but it did happen. Yeah. What happened? Yes, it's horrifying. Because <laughs> it's just like it's so applicable to so many things. Whatever your gut like, instinctive as to what it is, is probably right. Yep, Like, that's how... So, yeah. Fantastic. I'm going to give it... Mm. I'm trying to be as critical as possible. I'm giving the early ones... Very high praise, just for listeners and you. Sure, my early ones are very high because this next stretch is a little bit lower. Interesting. So I, okay. the ones that sure. every, that I, other people seem to really like, sure, I'm just like middle. Okay, like, obviously they're still fantastic. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm just like not as high on them. as I these. understand. I understand. I'm going to give this one an eight. Okay. Out of ten, it's really fucking long. It is really long. Yeah, in a recent, uh well, this is also telling a PTA, right? Yeah. When when he released the film, he said this is probably the best movie I'm ever going to make yep he did say that more recently he did a reddit uh q a mm-hmm. and someone asked them would you change anything about magnolia or you know what would you tell yourself yeah. while you're making and he said yeah. I would tell myself to chill the fuck out and to cut <laughs> 20 minutes yeah so I think the things that keep me from giving it a full 10 are there are some tangents that maybe I'm not so crazy about like okay. of all those of all the subplots the story about the little kid and the dad yeah kind of doesn't really tie together for me as well makes sense um, that and then the kid rapping always felt kind of random. Oh yeah, when the kid raps to to John Riley. Johnson Riley. Mm. So those are the little things. But I'm really, really nitpicking. Yeah, I think it's it's an amazing film. I think it's a bold film, and I think it is. <sighs> I don't even know how to, I I think it's, I think it's something that we're going to kind of like the emotions and themes of it. We're going to revisit and just like he is further down the line, but I think he actually figures out a way to do them better. Yeah, I agree. So, um, real quick, we're going to take a brief recess cause fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Magnolia deserves a break. Yeah. Jesus. Um, (laughs) we'll be right back. And before we jump into some other films, we'll talk about some questions we have. So we'll be right back.